From multiple international locations in Minneapolis and beyond, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Kenyan game developers Alila Amondi-Wakoto, Dennis Adero, and Sham Shah to discuss game dev life in Kenya. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. It's a crowded clubhouse today. Yeah, it's packed. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. To get started, can y'all uh, introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about one another? Sure. Uh, yeah, so let me, let me go then. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to okay. do this one. <laughs> it is crowded, as you said. <laughs> I always assume yeah. I should go first because of the A thing, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, my name is Dennis, uh, Dennis Odera. Uh, you can call me Dennis. Funny enough, my name is spelled with a single N. Many people get that wrong. They think it's a double N, but mine is actually a single N. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm a, I'm a lead game developer at Game Dev Kenya. Um, I love creating games, making games. I have a gaming background, you can say. So I did a course in the UK. I studied computer games enterprise. Oh. So through that, I learned how to create games. I learned a lot about different games, games research, games history and stuff. And then I decided to team up with my colleagues right here <laughs> in Kenya just to create and produce more games. Well, now no one wants uh, to go next. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Sham Shah. Uh, I just recently graduated from Oxford Brook University. I actually studied uh, mechanical engineering, which oh. is... <laughs> that's cool <laughs> that's different. like i feel like that's a trend because i i studied mechanical engineering for a bit and then dropped out to make games <laughs> so <laughs> i feel you on that <laughs> yeah so i did yeah I, I just finished and then you probably wondering how i got into game development is because i just enjoyed coding we did a little bit of coding in university and i wanted to follow that and i just thought because i love to play games i thought why not just start making games as well and i always loved coding so i just started teaching myself how to make games and ever since then it's been going really well and a lot of fun cool and i'm alila i'm a game developer um coming here with uh, um with dennis and sham um we've been making games together as a team uh since uh, january of 2020 so just before the pandemic hit, uh, which mm-hmm. actually, in a in a nice way, allowed us to like focus uh, focus more on making the game than game development. Mm-hmm. Um, our uh, the one game we worked on together is called COVID Killer, um, and it's out at you can check it out at gamedevskenya.com. Um, but more about me, so I I learned about uh, Nice Games Club uh, as a podcast for game developers. Uh, just a few months ago, and I've been obsessed ever since. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I actually listen to this show every single uh, every single Sunday, like just before I eat dinner. So oh, that's nice uh, to hear. Kind, of yeah, say, yeah. Thanks. Um, so yeah, so so that's how I got to know Nice Games, and then a um, little more, little bit more about me. I studied telecommunications at university. Um, that's basically just long, um, long distance 
wireless communication and stuff, and also wide communication. So mm-hmm. as it relates to like servers and stuff, mm-hmm. um, satellites and phones and stuff. That's like my uh, thing. Um, fun fact is, um, Shaman, Shaman and I are uh, uh, high school, high school, uh, we're high school colleagues. Ah. And we're actually friends from like way back, like ten years ago. So, oh, wow. yeah. Um, when we wanted to like set up a team, um, which uh, with Chami was easy, and it's been really awesome with Dennis as well. So, um, that's it. That's more of like uh, the team. Uh, yeah, that's cool. And I, I before the show, I know that um, you, Alila, and Dennis found out that you both like worked in audio stuff before working in games. Is that correct? Yeah, and it's funny because we've been working together since January, as Alila said, but we never knew that, like, about each other. <laughs> so we just met doing audio, and I'm heavily into audio, so it's really, really cool. And now you can see that's where all of our games are going to be focused on, like, heavy audio stuff. <laughs> now that <laughs> yeah. well, like, like, I, I imagine that helps, like, communication. Maybe you didn't realize that, like, you had that, um, that kindred spirit, but, like, um, you probably like are able to like communicate in a way that makes sense to one another as a result of that yeah which is true and then also uh which is why i like games because then you realize the stuff about the people you work with and the people who play games as well there's always this like link or connection that you didn't realize was there and then something like this can just end up being teaching something like spectacular you know so it's those small connections those small things like doing audio pushing it into a game composing your own audio or getting it from someone those connections which which is why i think we work so well together as a team because we understand each other so well and we put all of our special bits into like our project so there's a bit of each of us in the games that we create oh yeah for sure yeah um i know for sure like um as it relates to the chemistry of the team like dennis said yeah it's just been amazing like working with uh shaman dennis uh, for the last nine months or yeah ten months uh, nine months in a few days so yeah and then game audio i mean uh, audio wise um and sound wise i think also like because um you're using a lot of software when you're making games uh if you do have like a background uh in like uh tinkering around with other types of software it just makes it so much more easier um video production software and audio production the interesting thing though is i, I listened to the last podcast on nice games <laughs> where um you 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 went really deep into game uh sound composing mm-hmm. and yeah. just sound composing in general you had i think um michel michel uh chel wong mm-hmm. chel wong yeah yeah um and she went uh really deep into game sound and game sound for, uh, composing i've never actually really made a game where uh I focus a lot on on uh, on the sound, and I, I I've just learned it's a really important part of the game, like getting the sound right. Yeah, so it's something we want to do in the future with with Dennis and Sean. Yeah, yeah uh, her game Kine, uh, which just came out on Steam, um, little cross promotion there. Uh, that game, uh, the music is a big part of the mechanics of the game too. So that's a a good place to to get some inspiration for sure. Oh, I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so let's get started talking about. Uh, what it's like to develop games in Kenya? The the game development scene in the in the country is, I I I'd say it's made up more of 
like Sham said, uh, my colleague, it's more of uh, people who love playing games mm-hmm. uh, and who are so into that that um, they just get curious and they're like, uh, how can I make my own game? How can I make, uh, how can I start making my own games? Um, and it's quite, uh, we have a group, like a WhatsApp group where um, after meeting up uh, at Game Jams, there are a bunch of, uh, I think, not more than five individuals who have decided to create uh, the group where they're going to, you know, they, they, they add all game developers that they meet onto the group. And I think we're at around uh, 200, I, I think, Dennis, um, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, 246. So the group is on WhatsApp, uh, the messaging. So we've maxed out like the number of people we can get on WhatsApp. So 246. <laughs> people who are interested in games so it's full of like game developers uh game interns students people who are just interested in games yeah. and we can learn like so much from that group as, as alita said so you yeah. said the, the group is maxed out because i'm not even part of that group they won't let you in huh <laughs> it's, 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 it's huge yeah but um yeah awesome awesome games coming out of the i i, I would say um country and out of the individuals in the country, as much as, uh, or as little as we're few, uh-huh. um, uh, as much as we're not so many, uh, there are awesome games coming out. I know um, I've met loads of people from the uh, at game jams. We had a like a global game jam. Um, that's like one of the standout game jams that I at least at least I attended. It happened in I think February, mm-hmm. and. That was massively exciting to see, like everyone from the, uh, uh, I guess the Kenya and East Africa scene. Maybe something else that I, I could mention is that there are probably way more people making games than are in these groups because, mm-hmm. like I think Sham, Dennis, and myself, and probably um, uh, the three of you, we started making games in our own like bedrooms, and um, maybe it's not until like maybe you uh decide to like socialize about how you're making games that you actually meet all these other people. So there might be way more game developers, but I'd say um maybe not more than two thousand, I would guess, who do this like at a in a fairly consistent way and like uh, as a business, as a way of like um providing value for society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a really good observation that like there's more out there than you know in your community in in our scene, it's just like just as you described, like it's a bunch of people who got together and like found a way to 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 message each other, and then that grew and grew and grew, and then it it goes on for a while, and then you think like, oh, we've reached capacity, but the, you always meet new people who who stumble into it, um, not just because there's always people finding the the field for the first time, but people who've been yeah working on their own stuff for a long time and didn't know the community was out there, and so. Um, yeah. it's good that you recognize that because I think any community that doesn't know that is like doomed to calcify. So it's, it's, yeah, it's always known like the, just that thing in the back of your mind, like there's more out there, there's more out there, like, you know, and either just to make sure you don't close the door for them or do things to, you know, try to get them to be more involved. Yeah. I feel like the game, de- like the game development scene here is, um, a lot newer than like the rest of the world because mm-hmm. Like in school, we're never taught, like we have just the basic subjects, you know, maths, science, English. We're not even like, we're not given many options. And that's probably why it's also not like too 
to um, expose to everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But by now, like because now everyone's starting to, you can do everything by yourself online. So it's starting to grow a lot more. Yeah. yeah. Um, and y'all had mentioned um, game jams. Do you do a lot of game jams uh, there? I've done one, to be honest. Oh, okay. They were not really a popular thing uh, over here until the recent one that Alila is talking about. I think that's the one that really sparked the game jam culture, mm-hmm. you could say. So when more of them come up later on, we start to see more and more people. Like before, about a year ago, two years ago, they're not that popular. But then now that people are starting to see the effect that they have and the exposure mm-hmm. that it creates, then a lot of them are really, really finding them useful. They are fun. And they are great. Yeah, really And they fun. do teach yeah. you a lot. And they're exhausting. Oh, exhausting. <laughs> they're exhausting. <laughs> they're so yeah. draining. Yeah. It's very true. Fun fact, um, for the game jam that I was, uh, that I took part in with, with Dennis, uh, we tried to like keep the work-life balance thing. Like, so we would, it was a 24-hour game jam, but we actually like slept for eight hours. <laughs> um, That's good. Oh, that That's good. Yeah. That's good, yeah. 24-hour jams are really intense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's impressive uh, that you guys got to sleep at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, it was, we, we found out at the game jam that you're not allowed to come with a team. You're supposed to, like, meet there. But we went there with Dennis and, like, the whole team and just... <laughs> um, so it was a, maybe we had chemistry, so it allowed us to, like, just uh, take it easy a bit. Mm-hmm. And you were also able to complete the game, right? Yeah, yes. yeah we were able yeah. to complete the game. <laughs> uh, the game was, uh, it was, uh, I think, I don't remember what the theme was, but yeah, we got to complete the game. Which isn't always something you have to do, but it's nice to, to get it done, right? <laughs> like, you can have a successful game jam and, like, make a third of a game. It's fine. <laughs> but it's always nice to have yeah. it finished, you know? The, the always being able to complete the game instead of having to like throw it away and everything it's just the best feeling ever yeah yeah so you you've been saying that there's like the the, the culture is relatively new um what is the is there a lot of uh, professional infrastructure are there um a larger studios or uh idga chapters or things like that is that coming or is it still a lot of people really just banding together on their own right now all right, so, so, so the way it used to be generally is what people would do, they would just develop them on their own. And then if they'd want to use resources, they'd go to like universities or they'd go to computer labs to now develop the games. But now recently, especially the like the recent Game Jam, is now more game development centers. So this center has everything to do with like game development. So like doing game jams, creating games, it provides like the... Uh, equipment for like streaming and creating games and everything so it's 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 coming up so that it tends to help people have a place to create games rather than them doing it on their own or having to look for struggle for resources oh that's really interesting uh, that's something that would be really nice to have uh here like like a center for people to just have um have like where they can develop games without having to worry about the equipment or um, mm-hmm. Um, and you know just having a space to do that would be good Mm -hmm. something for us to think about after the pandemic yeah 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 so much of like even when you talk about game jams like the the uh, i think a lot of people feel the same way that that you all did which is that the first global game jam you go to you're like this is the life for me like you people really really like love it and but a lot of it has to do with the fact that you're in person with people 
And online game jams have their own special quality, but they require a little bit more planning in advance and a little bit more self-motivation. When you're in a room with people and, you know, whether you get enough sleep or not, like there's that that camaraderie can like take you a long way and it's easier to get going. And so like this upcoming global game jam, which will be in January, February is going to be online because of, you know, we're still going to be on relative lockdown Mm. all over the world. And so it is uh, it's really unfortunate, especially for people who just caught the bug. You know, to mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. Um, do that. So yeah, I think there's so many parts of all of our lives that are affected by the way things have changed. But people getting started in a field, I think, that gives them a, a, a unfortunate handicap. Yeah, I feel like it's also growing, like the whole the whole um, game development scene in in Kenya as well. Especially because there's recently I just found like uh, a company called Usiku Games. And they also make games, and they're I think yeah they're a full on game studio in Kenya. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, they they actually they're the ones who created the Nairobi Game Development Center. As okay. A, it, it it was their bit to like um create that eco that platform and ecosystem that Dennis talked about and Sham talked about, um, so that guys like um can come out of guys unisex obviously can come out of their um bedrooms and like meet and bounce ideas off each other because um i think we've all noticed that making games is definitely like a team game it's a team game so mm-hmm. funny <laughs> <The team> game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah so so yeah Usiku built that and then as game devs kenya um probably i should have said um or mentioned in the beginning we actually came to being because uh, we wanted to teach high school students how to make games. So we're also trying to um, inspire uh, younger people, um, mm-hmm. young people to also pick up game development. And then, so I feel like everyone in the, in the, in the ecosystem is doing something to help, um, to help this industry boom. Um, there are also a few people who like give fun funding to game development. Um uh, teams I saw we saw in the Africa Game Development Group the other day. They're giving like uh, the Black Game Developer Fund. I think it's what it's called. So mm. it allows guys to like set up, buy software, and stuff like that. There's a burden that's put on people who get things started. Is they have to they have to plant the seeds to to help everything grow because and there's a selfish motivation, right? So this company that set up this center, like it's a huge outlay for them, and it, it's a huge benefit for others. But they benefit directly because then. There's more people, you know, there's a, more people to, that they can hire and there's more projects that they can work with and mm-hmm. like it, uh, you know, and so there's always, there's always a benefit to like helping other people, but it's, it's such, it's so difficult. And it's, it's great to hear that the th- you guys got together, not just to make games, but like part of your mission is to also inspire other people. And that that's like a central part of your mission. I think that's so cool because like, otherwise, what's the point? Like, it's, it, it's great to make something, but like, there's more to it. And I, it's really cool to hear you say that. There is a burden, but because, like you said, there's a, there's a sense of like a community, and when once people meet each other at a game jam, it's like if I can help out um, as it relates to this or that, I'm gonna do that. And uh, I think in the beginning, like Ellen, um, Stephen, and yourself talked about the, you know, maybe you have another job and um, uh, on top of game development, uh, or whether it is your job um, alone. Um, people do invest back into the industry, which is nice to see. So, um, the burden is being like, um, carried proudly. Yeah. 
Yes, I was going to say, I think one of the, the biggest things I like about the, the, the game development center, they've set up a really nice a room full of green screens and stuff and full of, full of machines as well, because they really want to bring esports into Kenya as well. They really want to create a space where they can mesh the industries in Kenya. Since uh, Kenya, we're big on sports, so they want to make video games in that niche as well of esports, which I think is really, really cool. Because a lot of us uh, are fans of sports, and then now people can see that esports is a big thing. It puts Kenya on the map, especially if we have the technology to do so, which is really, really, really cool. Um, yeah, I was just saying that, like, because I was like, one of our goals is to teach um, other like school, like high school students, even I would say even younger than that, maybe to like get into game development as probably as early as possible, because it's I think it's a, definitely a great thing to do, and if like. If you can't share, like we, what we do is we do make, we've made a few games, but we can share it with everyone. And that just makes it a whole lot better if we're able to share our experiences with everyone else. And they maybe can then go on and do the same thing. That's good. I like that a lot. And I, I, I think about that oftentimes too, like teaching uh, younger people, um, it, even um, knowing, teaching, teaching them what game development is. Because like, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people look at games and think it's, like too complicated and you can only do it if you're an artist or a programmer and there's like so many different aspects of game development that isn't isn't talked about much outside of our industry um which i think is a real shame like i mean like you you two were talking about um getting into audio and stuff and that that helped with your game development um i think that like audio is a great avenue for that people a lot of people use um um what's that mac program GarageBand? GarageBand, yes. GarageBand. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, a lot of people use GarageBand and things. Um, um, to just to make music and stuff. And like you can use that. That is a great tool to use um to make uh, music and sound for video games. Um and that's just one avenue that you could do or you can use to uh participate in game development if you wanted to. So mm-hmm. one of the things that game uh, when you're getting started in games, you're like, oh, I have to learn all of these things. And it's a big list of things, yeah. and not just uh, skills, but tools. And there's usually some, some money involved in, in purchasing licenses. And like you feel like if you want the whole package, but at the same time, if you can do just one of those things, then all you need to do is meet other people because mm-hmm. you, can, you can put it all together. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think people den- tend to feel like it's beyond them and uh, because they only have mm-hmm. a little small piece of it. And so having those avenues to meet others and to share and to know that you can provide a piece that that they can't or they're too busy for or whatever um, is or they they have exactly what you have and together you can learn the other things. So there's just no um, I think, yeah, inspiring people to know that they can do more than they think they can is pretty important. For sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah, getting started in making games is. Uh, is something that uh, I think once, because I think for most of us, we made uh, our first games were kind of solo made. You, you made them solo. Um, and then uh, you you get to see how hard that is. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> yeah, like you said, when you, meet, <laughs> when you meet other people who can actually like, um, you know, because once you see that the process is, is broken up into many tasks and many roles, then I think you have what happened with me and Dennis and Sham. Once you meet each other, it's like, oh my god, you can do quality testing, and oh my god, you can do programming alone, and I'll just worry about the <laughs> um, the sound or the maybe um, 
uh, script or something, then then it's just like amazing to mm-hmm. to now. It's it's easier to now like move uh, further and further in making in after getting started. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the hardest thing is just to get started because it feels super like like daunting. Just like everything throwing at thrown at you at once. You don't know exactly where to start as well. You start with art. You start with programming, rendering. But once you get started, yeah, once you get started, it just flows really well. I think somebody had mentioned um, meetups and like conferences um, in in your area. Uh, I was I was curious about like what uh, what those look like um, in Kenya, and and also like how like um, the global pandemic has like affected things. Does it feel like you have more access to more uh, conferences since a lot of them are going online now or ah uh, yeah so yeah i think that was me i, I mentioned the conferences and meetups so mm-hmm. what happens is uh we have the group called the africa game development group um uh, and now also they've added like a vr section so also if you're into vr you can it's like we're in the same boat so that group was made and most communication as it relates to conferences and meetups happens via that channel since uh, everyone is there mm-hmm. and that 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 seems to be working really well and um also i've seen quite a few things happen on eventbrite um mm-hmm. people post like uh, events on eventbrite mm-hmm. and then that's how you can also get to find out about uh, meetups and conferences and also there is um or there are a few groups on facebook where it's like kenya game development or Kenya game developers. So meetup, meetup-wise, it, it all usually happens uh, online, at least the uh, communication. Right. Venue-wise, um, like Danish and Shams said, everything happens either at the Nairobi Game Development Center. Um, usually, okay, like this is pre-pandemic, or uh, there's a, it's called a co-working space called Nairobi Garage, which... Um, it has all, it's like, we call it the Silicon Savannah. So, um, <laughs> I love that. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, so it's like, um, it's the, I guess, the co-working space. Uh, I, I guess that's like more on uh, working space. Yeah, like mm-hmm. the building where you can like do the stuff. So they take care of that part of the Silicon Savannah. And yeah, meetups happen there. Um, let me just breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, pandemic wise I feel as though you're right Stephen because everything is online it's now easier to access all these conferences and events because I think last time I checked none none of them have been um, sorry all of them have been free to enter so that's like a bit easier for everyone to um, to access and um the only thing is that I don't know. I feel like the physical meets are and the physical conferences are usually much more fun, and mm. it's like there's there's always more hype around yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> One of the things I've been looking into doing is, you know, we do our uh, our local IDGA chapter. We do our monthly meetups online now, and we can invite people from all over the world to visit them now, which is really great. And so it's got me thinking, like, nice. oh, not only can I have other people come to our little part of the world i can go to everybody else's part of the world so i've been mm-hmm. looking for more less of these yeah. big conferences and more of like 
like the LA meetup or the Chicago meetup or like, or, or Brussels or wherever, you know? Um, and so I think mm -hmm. uh, I, it's, it is exciting to, to, for there, there to be more things, but at the same time, I'm still like, I still do just want to go somewhere, you know, like, and, and be with people. So like, it's never going to replace yeah. that. Um, but it's nice that now, and hopefully we'll have both options going forward. Um, but it's been cool to see just like all the, the little things, you know, to, to pick up yeah. and see what else is out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think the, um, I like what you said about like maybe perhaps meeting other game developers you wouldn't usually meet because now you can, uh, now it's all online. It's not just everyone in your locality mm -hmm. that you check out. Um, cause I, uh, a month ago there was the Africa Comicade, which was, uh, like a pan African, uh, game jam. I didn't really participate, but I was just, um, I just, I wanted to socialize. Mm -hmm. uh, there's always that need. Um, and yeah, I got to see some games from Nigeria, which I usually, um, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have like seen games made at a Nigerian game jam or by a Nigerian at a yeah. game jam because their game jams are usually in Lagos and mm -hmm. ours are usually in Nairobi. So, mm -hmm. um, I was able to like, and then usually cause, um, most of the game development studios you get to hear about are the really big ones, which maybe, um, got, um, uh, some, some airing time, maybe on a, on a, on a, on a nice blog or, or a social media post. Mm -hmm. Uh, but now you get to see like, uh, maybe a budding developer through the online platform. So that was, mm -hmm. I, I like that. In, in our email conversation, someone had brought up, uh, wanted to talk about, uh, being a game dev without like formal training, without the education behind it. This is something I could talk about too. <laughs> I definitely don't have <laughs> a formal education on it. Um, though I'm sort of building that now. Um, uh, I don't remember who it was who brought that up, but, uh, that was that was me. Ah, okay. Right, and you, you wait, but yeah. you just said you graduated. <laughs> yeah, I did. I graduated from uh, make uh, studying mechanical engineering, which right. is completely different. Right. I would yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, actually, so I did just. I graduated uh, in May, mm -hmm. and before I graduated is when I started. Like when we started in January is when I actually started getting into game development. And I took a couple courses online and just followed the courses. Mm -hmm. And I felt like because of the way they teach on the course compared to the way they teach at university, it's a lot more friendlier and a lot easier to learn. Mm -hmm. And also you like get to, you get to do it in your own free time. You don't have to stress about like um, deadlines or getting a good grade. You know, you just have to, like, you can do it as it's, it's just for fun as well. And like, I started it as a hobby, just on something on the side, but then it grew into this where now I'm working with Dennis and uh, Alila at Game Devs Kenya. And it's actually really great. The one thing I do wish that I did is that I started earlier because I feel like it's game, learning game development by yourself can be, take a long time actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially like if you want, depending on the kind of game you want to make, like say, for example, if it's a platformer or something, yeah, you could build that in a couple, like a week or so, but you have to have like that, there's that special, something about the game that's special, for example, like Hollow Knight or um, mm -hmm. what is this other, uh, Celeste? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So these are like super, like these are platformers that seem really simple, but the way they're built are just fantastic. And just like, they're really amazing games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can, and I would encourage anyone to like, um, just like learn game development by yourself. Mm -hmm. You can learn the skills on your own, but artistry is always going to take practice on your own time. That's only like your, you bringing your own artistry to the work is not something people can teach you directly. They can give you a model. They can tell you how they did it, but it's still your own experience that you have to bring. So that makes sense. And there's multiple ways to get there, right? Yeah. Uh, I know that yeah. like in it like I'm self-educated as well, but I feel like I might have gotten a bit of a jump start because in my previous career, I would sometimes code and I would sometimes do a lot of the things that was needed for game development. So when I decided to go into game development, I feel like I had a lot of that framework, but I didn't have the practice of game design. The like the <laughs> you know, like all the I feel like I had a bunch of things, but you you still you're still starting from scratch, you know, without without a formal education. Like no matter what technical abilities you bring to the table. I mean, that, even with the formal education, really, you're starting from scratch. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have heard some things about um, from like education in game development, um, but like I don't think it feels to me, anyways. It feels like a lot of higher education doesn't prepare you for the 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 actual work, all of the actual work that goes into it. It teaches you some skills which are valuable, um, but I don't think that it teaches you a lot of the day-to-day things that you will be doing at a game development job, as, as I'm sure y'all can attest to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, even while studying mechanical engineering, I was literally told by one of the lecturers, you'll only use 5% of what you learn in university. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that 5% is valuable, right? It's not, it's oh, yeah. not worth nothing, but... It's very valuable. Yeah, yeah, but... Does that mean I only have to pay 5% of the tuition, though? <laughs> if only it worked like that. <laughs> oh, that would Actually, been, I right? think yeah. Yeah, this is quite like an interesting topic because I was watching a video like a few weeks ago about, um, uh, I think I forget the name of the YouTuber, but he was debating and he made a video where he talked about like, because he pursued game development in um, as higher education. and and basically. Yeah, he was asking, you know, should you or shouldn't you pay for game development, for game development, uh, higher education? Um, and, and like, I think, I think you're all right. Like that 5% is so important because I think when you study game development at, uh, a university, for example, you get those connections to the industry. And, and that's usually because the people teaching you are already in the industry. Maybe they work at some big studio and, and, even maybe internship wise, you can, I think you're at, at an advantage. So I think it's, I would agree uh, and say that it's, I think uh, you have a head start if you study, if you study game development and you're, and you're trying to, and that's the way you want to get started. But also like Sham said, um, and like Ellen said, um, most of the stuff that you're going to need to implement in your game, uh, in your product, probably you're going to need to, practice and get better and and pursue on your own if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah, yeah for sure yeah yeah i think that that's that just my view yeah we we have we, we do have a lot of guests on here that come from a lot of different backgrounds and and the three of us do as well and i think it can be really easy to be like to to um 
to talk down formal education or to talk it up or whatever. And I think like that, there's that 5% that is really valuable that maybe you couldn't have gotten elsewhere. And is it worth the 95% that you're not going to use? And then, but the real question is, is uh, what, what can you use that 95% for elsewhere? Right? Like, yeah. uh, like I, I, I had a liberal arts education, so I feel kind of advantaged in that, like a lot of what I would, uh, in my, um, my, co- my college years, I took a lot of that and I could apply it to a lot of different things. I didn't have to have any technical training in college, but I, but that's okay. I got that elsewhere. Whereas someone else who had a more like a, a formal or like a computer science degree or now a game development degrees, like you have an advantage in some ways, but then you also don't have that broad liberal arts education that I got. And so really it, there's no, everyone is disadvantaged in advantage. one way and everyone advantaged is. in another way. Yeah. So it's, I, I think a lot of people, um, they'll be like, oh, the way I did it was wrong and I really regret it. And it's like, well, the way you did it was your way. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're, that's the way you've yeah. got. So make the best of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it's no yeah. formal education, For then, sure. well, you, there's enough people to learn from and enough examples to go by uh, that you'll be okay. And the formal education you didn't have, well, you use that time on something else and take that something else and make it, a, make it an asset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a quote I, I was reading today. It's like, you just make whatever your journey has been rock. You make it rock and you just like run with it and make it look like it's the ideal. And <laughs> and it, that's the way it is because... um. I think everyone's journey, the way they started, um, it's uh, it's advantageous and disadvantageous depending on the way you look at it. Yeah. Yeah, you're not. If we all had the same journey, we'd all make the same games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The same nice games. <laughs> the same, uh, <laughs> Hopefully, I do. Well, if we all have to make the same game, let's at least make it nice. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't have to all make the. This is starting to break down. I don't think this is gonna. Yeah. <laughs> I keep going. <laughs> hey, listeners! Uh, we'd love it if you could send Nice Games Club to a friend of yours. Stephen, why are you asking people for favors? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I uh, we provide a service. We like to get something back in return. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we want. Uh, we would like more listeners. Um, and uh, the show gets better with more listeners because you, you can form your own nice games club with your friends. Um, and also, like you can get, we can get feedback from your friends, and we can improve the show as a result of that. Um, so here's some ways you can send a message to a friend. You can. Uh, 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 so, so, someone help me out. Um, <laughs> messenger pigeon. Uh, <laughs> messenger pigeon. Uh, <laughs> Ellen, how might that work? That- um, get a pigeon. Uh huh. Uh huh. Question mark. <laughs> yes. Let pigeon go. Uh huh. Message okay. sent. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do we have a more realistic option in mind? Yeah, if you don't have a pigeon, what's what's another option? Yeah. Well, um, chances are, I guess you're listening to this on like a podcast app, or maybe you're listening to it online. So. You know, pull up your podcast app and find the little share icon and share it via text or direct message or or link. Whatever your favorite messaging app is and where your friends are, take the link to the show and send them that link. Yeah. Like, you know how when you're at a party and you need something interesting to talk about? Like, we save the trouble. You just bring one of these with you. But of course, there are no parties anymore. Yeah. Uh, but you're like probably part of 100 discords. So, you know, you got to stand out. 
uh, grab a, an old episode that you find, think is interesting to the, the Discord communities you're part of and go ahead and drop that link and you'll be uh, risen uh, metaphorically on their shoulders as a uh, arriving hero. That's how it will work. Mm-hmm. I, I promise. There we go. That, that's I our like... guarantee. <laughs> Those are great suggestions. Be popular and send your friends Nice Games Club links. Yeah, don't keep it a secret. <laughs> as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um, Okay, so uh, uh, in our email conversation, someone had brought up talking about uh, the next-gen consoles. Um, This is a bit of a topical... uh, I mean, you know, because PS5 is coming out soon, Xbox, whatever it's called, is coming out soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, I forgot the name already. The mainstream. Yeah, <laughs> the, the next gen. Um, and so I wanted, yeah, I wanted to ask y'all about like what the next gen consoles are going to look like uh, from like an international perspective. Because I'm only, I'm, I'm stuck here in Minnesota, and so I only have the Minnesotan perspective. But I'd love to hear others' thoughts on. Yeah, so this this is the 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 point that I had brought up because I like these discussions, especially when we're talking about consoles and what consoles people prefer, and more so because yeah. it always turns into like a heated debate on which one is better than the other. <laughs> yeah, it always, it always yeah it always boils down to that, and like it ends up being which games are better than the other, which controller is better than the other, and then it's a fist fight. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, I can't throw fisticuffs so online, though. <laughs> it's a good thing we're online. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, internationally, it's looking exciting. It's it's looking like they're really, really trying to best one another, the Xbox and the PlayStation. Um, my bias is heavily on the Xbox side of things because oh. I've had an Xbox for, like, yeah, a long time. And one of the key reasons why, because I like playing old games old generation games just to get the feel of what old games were like how they were <laughs> developed without the technology that they have now and one of the good things about the new xbox the xbox series x it allows you to play those old games those old generation games from your xbox one from your original xbox so even now for like those new people who are just starting to play games now or the new generation who are just coming into this generation of the new xbox and the new playstation they can see what those old games are like you know and then get to appreciate them more especially those developers who have created those games and just think okay now no one's gonna play my game at least they get a chance to at least put their games back on there albeit on the xbox and get the appreciation that maybe they can deserve from a new a new generation which i find is very very cool yeah i like that you described it as like a a a research uh opportunity like 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, uh, uh, Xbox 360 games, you can get them used for very, very cheap. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a, it, a good way to build a library uh, of, of things to study. Yeah. Hmm. There's a fun yeah. fact. Actually, the, there was a 700% increase in sales of the Xbox One X because people ordered the wrong, pre-ordered <laughs> the wrong thing. <laughs> Instead of the Series X, they ordered the One X. Yeah, because so. the name is not clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and every time you ask Microsoft, they're like, "It has a name." I'm not going to tell you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was I'm supposed so, to be Project Scarlet, though. To be fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like that was a better name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least I would know what that is versus the. Uh... Exactly. You can tell the difference. <laughs> Part of me likes yeah, how crazy but- the name is because PS5 is so boring and simple and obvious. So, like, of course, right? the Xbox yeah, is yeah. going to be ridiculous and obscure <laughs> and like and nonsense. Like, it's yeah. just perfect. Then we get yeah. to have both. We don't have to choose. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely like your point about that because, like, I think that like bringing old games, like I think they said even like Xbox games, like the Xbox compared to. Uh, well, like say Nintendo consoles is relatively new, but mm-hmm. like it's still there's still a lot of like old school um design and programming tricks and things that they used in those games that people can learn yeah. from now. Um and I think that's I think that's a very valuable thing that like these new generations of consoles are going to be able to bring to people. And I think that like it provides like it, it just provides such a, a great a, a great service, a great learning opportunity for people. And I was going to say also from the eyes of like developers, I, I, I could see them enjoying it much because they can see and appreciate old games and maybe see how they can maybe recreate some of those old games, especially now that they have the modern technology to do so. So from a developer's point of view, it's, it's really beneficial because then it can almost increase their skills. Once you look at the old games, the old game mechanics and how they can be used on new, on new consoles, it kind of increases the skills of, of current game developers. Yeah, for sure. Just to flip like flip your answer on, I like the new games, the new console, sorry, they're supposed to like the load times, especially like I know for PS5, they're gonna the load times are extremely fast. Mm-hmm. And I like for game design, you have the loading just so you can load the level or anything. Yeah. But now yeah. because load times are basically gone, it's gonna completely change how games are developed now, which is I think super interesting as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, there's a great talk from Mark Cerny when he did the architecture talk on the PS5, and he described this. The, uh, he, he walked mm-hmm. through this whole PS2 game and like how it was laid out and uh, the, how the level design was done because load times existed, and that that philosophy just became the philosophy of level design for all games everywhere. And people mm-hmm. didn't even know that's why they were doing it that way. Um, we'll put that in the show notes because that is that's another example of something where it's like, oh yeah. It's not just faster graphics, right? It's not just like more pixels. It's not just more frames. Uh, there's, there's uh, for designers, it's really exciting. Um, and for designers, uh, what's great about both of these new consoles is that um, they're, the backwards compatibility is really, really broad for the, at least for the previous generation. For the Xbox, it's all the way back, but even PlayStation 5 will play pretty much all PlayStation 4 games, which means if you're a developer, it's actually very easy to get, um, uh, access to both of those platforms. So you don't have to tr- you don't have to find your way to the newest dev kits or dev programs which are still a little bit exclusive right now. You can get yourself, you know, uh, uh, into the dev programs for the Xbox 1 and the PlayStation 4 
and you you can release a game and it can go out on the new consoles and that is that's the first time in history that's been possible so that's really exciting for developers it's always exciting to try to imagine what new technology when it hits the consumer space will enable people to do and how it will change the way that the experience of digital play will be um, created and and experienced i guess um, but there's you know it's we don't know. It's, that's the part of the exciting thing is there's stuff. There's going to be stuff that gets made. Can't even imagine yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can be on the vanguard. You could like, I'm going to play with all the new, all the new features. I'm going to use the IR sensor on the Nintendo Switch, and <laughs> and and then and then no one buys that game because no one wants to use the IR sensor on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> yeah. But you got to be on the vanguard, or uh-huh. you can sit tight and see how how it settles down and then mm-hmm. and then you can like take then you can take advantage of the education that everybody got by like you know uh, taking risks so really anywhere you are in that chain whether you're just getting started and you want to release something on on the switch or one of the new consoles and you're like anxious to get started well now is the dangerous wild west time so maybe mm-hmm. so maybe it's okay that it's gonna take a little while or mm-hmm. and but and if you're ready to go now then that's exciting you can be the maybe the one to be the first to do something so um there's like no bad position to be in, really, um, uh, when, when it comes to like new fun stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious now. Uh, so, Dennis, you said your favorite is Xbox. Do y'all argue about that versus PlayStation? <laughs> oh yeah. Funny enough, oh, yes. so one of <laughs> one of our um, our weekly meetings, we dedicated it to arguing about which one was better. <laughs> <laughs> Is that recorded somewhere? Like, Can we watch that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think it is recorded. Yeah, it is. is it? Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. It is. Oh, y'all have to send me a link. It's to actually. That. Yeah, it's actually on SoundCloud. It's actually on SoundCloud. <laughs> okay, oh we'll put that so link in the show notes. Yeah. I was gonna say we have yeah. to link yeah. to this. <laughs> so you I'll came to a conclusion sure, and that yeah. just like uh, decided it forever, or I guess we'll have to listen and find yeah. out. So no, so we 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 gave each other like maybe two or three weeks notice to like gather notes and and we even made teams and then we got and then we just went at it from like the first minute <laughs> until the last oh, uh, we even got beautiful. like a moderator we, yeah a moderator oh you had a moderator oh yes oh, this is amazing <laughs> We, we've talked on this show about doing nice debate club, but it sounds like we should listen to yours as a model for that because that yes. sounds really, really cool. That's so amazing. I love that. Was there a winner? Thanks. Actually, that's there. Were, there was no winner. We we because it was we we did model it like a debate, and we got the moderator, but they didn't really um get back to us on who won the debate. Um, <laughs> But everyone's a winner. Don't worry. Yeah, they don't. They didn't want to break any hearts. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I, I think the Xbox team took it. I think they. I think they, we won. Yeah, we won. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we. And that's won. Yeah, that's your objective opinion. But I was, that's my objective opinion because I was in the Xbox team, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, oh, really? I couldn't have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, um. My I actually my actual views on the next gen consoles. I'm a little bit more excited uh, about Microsoft because I know that they acquired Bethesda just a mm. few um, weeks ago, mm-hmm. and yeah. I I feel like they because um, I would I would consider myself an indie game developer. I I think we're indie game developers. Like um, I think Microsoft create a better uh, platform for developers. 
as opposed to PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Those are just my views. So, yeah. I think that's fair. I I'm, think, I'm, more ex- yeah. I'm more excited to play the X. Go on. I, I think that's totally fair. I think both both have, have made a lot of strides in, um, yeah. in developer relations, particularly when it comes to like smaller indies. Um, I think um, uh, Sony has done a good job in that they have um, they've really opened up their platform. Like it's very difficult to fill out the forms. It's very complicated, but they're not restrictive. Like they will they if you if you tell them you want to make a game, they will give you all the information and tools to to do it. Xbox still has a a, a, a approval process, but they're kind of saying yes to everybody. And they've built a ton of infrastructure. So I think I think you are probably right in that Microsoft has done a better job because they've put more of the work in to make the experience better. I think Sony is uh, opening the doors really wide, but it's still kind of a rough experience, I think. That's yeah. my broad view of it. They're both trying, at least. Okay. And that's good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good news, I think. Mm-hmm. So the Xbox One. And for the... <laughs> <laughs> I think from a consumer from a consumer view like not from a developer standpoint as well I think I have more fun on the Xbox platform but sure. I'm not trying to like yeah 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 choose this this episode is sponsored by Microsoft. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> not really, not really. But you know, I wish. Stand up for give us some money. That'd be cool too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I know. <laughs> Go on, Ellen. Please, please give us money, Microsoft. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> We'd love to be able to say those words and not be joking. <laughs> we all have like product placement of Xboxes like right next to us, each of our streets. Yeah. <laughs> you should have done that. <laughs> of course, uh, Stephen, uh, who will defend uh, Nintendo? Uh, I mean, I don't have to. I think it stands for itself as amazing and. <laughs> That's the next episode is sponsored by Nintendo. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> one, of the reasons, please, please. one of the reasons this is interesting to us because as, as Americans, we get the what is, I guess, the default in industry experience. And so it's always yeah. nice to hear about what in yeah. other countries and other territories. And as a developer, looking at some of the back end stuff on these platforms, seeing how uh, games are distributed in places that are not like the places where these like Japan and America and Europe. And so, um, uh, to speaking to what's the Nintendo's presence uh, in Kenya? Yeah. Oh yeah, good question. Yeah, I would say Nintendo is is uh, it is not that big compared to Xbox and uh, PS4, mm-hmm. but it's still it's still like uh, I do have a few friends that have got like a, a Switch and it's like super fun to play. But like you wouldn't find like the way um, everyone here literally has either a PS4 or an Xbox. It's very rare to find someone with a Nintendo Switch over here hmm. because simply because it's, we're just not exposed to it over here. Yeah, yeah. Like I used to have a Game Boy and all that, but that's pretty much the only, actually, yeah, that's the only Nintendo product that I ever owned was a Game Boy. Hmm. So, which is way back. So, Nintendo just, you, you're, the feeling I'm getting is that Nintendo just hasn't invested as much in building a market there as. Yeah. Microsoft yeah. has an Xbox and Sony has a PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. also on that, like Sony is way bigger here than um, I would say than, than uh, Microsoft, as, ah. especially like my, all my, I, I don't know, like um, I, I know I would say Alila and Dennis probably have an Xbox because they're Xbox fans, but all my other friends 
I, I, uh, I own a PS4 simply because all my other friends have a PS4 as well, mm-hmm. just so we can also play online. Mm-hmm. And that's just probably why it grows so much bigger is just because if your friend has one, then you you just want to play with them. So you yeah. just buy one yeah. for yourself. Uh, I don't think Nintendo has made like a strategic move to access the market. But what I do like about Nintendo is that I think what happens with the games industry is that people, different people who um, play games, like if you like platformer games, you like handheld games, you're going to probably go the Nintendo way. I think my friends who have Nintendos seem to um, review and look for in a game different things as opposed to like someone who traditionally would play FIFA and need for speed. So I would want Nintendo. All I'm trying to say is that um, Nintendo haven't made a move, but I would want Nintendo to make more of a move um, Mm -hmm. to be available and stuff so that we can have all these different types of like gamers in the the space. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about that is that uh, in America, we, especially as indie developers, we say all games should be on switch. The switch is perfect for every mm-hmm. everything, and yeah. that, that's that's the yeah. sort of attitude we have. But we, if Nintendo is a smaller place uh, in the market where you're from, it makes a lot of sense that you'd say Nintendo games or Nintendo type games should be on Nintendo, because you, you, all game yeah. all games can be on PlayStation, right? And so uh, sure. it's it, it is less to do about what yep. the hardware actually is, and more to do about the culture that it's part of, uh, the market that it's part of, and the, and how it relates with the things other things that are available. Uh, I find that really fascinating. Yeah. For us, like when you talk about Nintendo, you only think about like Mario. That's the only, literally not like maybe Mario and Zelda, but mm-hmm. not, not many other games yeah. are we're exposed yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo owners seem to be happier gamers. They always have the pen, you know, okay, for the DS. And, the, and I think it's more interactive because it's handheld, but. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they get Kirby, so of course they're happier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, but I'd say I'd 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 actually um agree with Sham. Um I think it's like a huge percentage of people have Sony PlayStation for okay. sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. And maybe uh, just, just to add on to that, sorry, uh, just to add I think with the Nintendo now, especially with them being handheld, I think one one of the things that's contributed to them not being as big here is the huge rise in mobile games. Mm. So now people mm. would play games and be on their mobiles rather than getting, you know, like a Nintendo or a different device. If they have their mobile, which they can do a whole lot of things besides like social media and phone calls, if that device has games, then it kind of lessens mm-hmm. the chance of them getting a Nintendo. So I think that's influenced mm-hmm. a lot of it not being not being big big over here. Yeah. That's a really, really good point. Um yeah. you know, I know that Mobile gaming, at least in the U.S. market, is not seen necessarily as something that cuts. Ag- it, it cuts broadly across the population, but is also seen as more of a casual gamer kind of mm-hmm. activity. Um, but that's not doesn't have to be that here, and it isn't necessarily the case outside of the U.S. Um, so that that's a that's a really good point though because I think if you are using your mobile device as more of a um, kind of a, a gaming device cross genre, then it yeah. would completely it would compete directly with the Switch. Really, hmm. yeah, 
I think the people who would have the Switch, yeah, they just now um, play on their phone. Yeah, Play Store and App Store. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I wanted to ask, um, you brought it up earlier in the show, um, but your game COVID Killer, which uh very topical. Um, <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about? Uh, can you tell me a bit about the the game and uh, and and also the development process behind the game? Yeah. So with 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 COVID Killer. So as Alila was mentioning before, our our game devs Kenya. What we do is we 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 create games and then we teach them to students and we do so uh, via on uh, boot camps. So physical boot camps. So we'd hold like meetings and then get kids to come over and then now we'd teach them the games that we've created so that they can learn about game development. That that's what we specialize in. But then because of this year with, with the pandemic, it was difficult to hold a physical course physical meetings and a physical boot camp since the country went into a lockdown. So we had to just be indoors and we couldn't do our boot camp. So then we were sitting and thinking we can do the boot camp online instead just so at least the kids are at home and they can still learn to create games so what we decided is if they can learn to create a game that is going on with what's currently happening in the world which of course was 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 the coronavirus so a fun game would be to just destroy and kill the coronavirus so so the development was was simple and motivating because a lot of people especially here in Kenya were kind of demotivated that they couldn't go outside they couldn't do a lot of things especially children who are excited for our boot camp. So we gave them that opportunity to still learn about what's going on in the world and develop a game. So that's why we decided on, on COVID Killer. It's a, it's a 2D uh, shooter, shooter game where it has about four levels where you just go around shooting coronavirus. It gives you tips about the pandemic, tips about prevention measures and how to keep safe. So you're learning about it and also enjoying playing the game and then and shooting down the devices, which which we thought was really, really cool. So we are teaching that to children and at least getting them motivated that even in a time where there's so much wrong, at least they can have fun and face something that's right, you know. It, yeah. It sounds very therapeutic. Like I wanna <laughs> shoot the coronavirus. Exactly. <laughs> now I can. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually tied to like um, one of the topics we talked about before, like the whole, hey, I want to make games. How do I get started? So it's like we're trying to we're trying to um, see how we can work as a team while also uh, meet that need that is there in society. Because there are an awful lot of um, kids, especially high school students, who would want to like get into making games, but um, they don't know how to and uh, apart from the ones who like can go online and go on Udemy and YouTube but also um, what we saw because we've done three boot camps so far um, what we've seen is that having that physical space that's like similar to what you get in a game jam a physical game jam like they just mm -hmm. totally love that like having they get to meet each other because usually we get them from different high schools so they get to do that and also like make a game like COVID Killer which they really want to make given that it's been made by us who are like you could say um in that moment in time they're where where they're uh role models mm -hmm. in a way the like more uh yeah well yeah so so covid killer has been like a, a bundled up joy of all that yeah it's fantastic the boot camp is set to start in november 
uh, first weekend of November. We're having an oh, online boot November seventh. That's gonna start. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say one of the, the the main things about developing this game was we found out that our target audience was now not uh, the students or the high school students. It was actually now the parents. Because oh. if we're showing them, yeah, because if we're showing them an educational game that their kids would be willing to play and make, then it would of course, force their children, you know, the children are staying at home. So then the parents would want them to create a game that's educational. So it was one thing to create a fun game for the kids, but also making it fun for the parents to see that their kids are actually doing something that is worth their while. That's an avenue I hadn't considered. <laughs> kids is that like, it'll, uh, it'll help the parents understand what they're doing. And they yeah, exactly. help them. Yeah. it helps. Yeah. It helps them understand. It helps them like be more encouraging. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, it was something. There was something interesting. Um, after you mentioned that, Stephen, that um, Mark had mentioned that he started out programming, and then came into game development. Mm -hmm. So one of the other things that we try and because um, we're basically like a bunch of you could almost say people from the IT and engineering field, um, mm -hmm. myself, Dennis, and Sham. So we also saw that when you're making games, you're gonna need to learn. You know. Um, composing audio or putting in audio into the game, um, art design, you know, making the sprites if you're making 2D games, programming. So we saw that um, uh, teaching the kids how to make games is also a good avenue to introduce programming to the kids. It's like mm. the best way probably. It's the least scary way you can get into programming. Right, right. I guess. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting because I think a lot of people, they take, um, they, they take what the sort of boring stuffy suit and tie uh fields and then they go into game development but at the same time there's no reason why you couldn't learn some of those like useful skills that are sort of hard to get attached to through mm -hmm. game development that's that's yeah. absolutely brilliant like that those people can go on and you know they can uh program uh you know uh, uh things that will that control street lamps and that's that's what society needs yeah. so <laughs> yeah and yeah they have like a nice cushioned um introduction yeah, that's kind of similar how I actually got into game development is I taught myself Java, but it was just plain Java mm. and it was extremely, <laughs> extremely boring. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like if you, if, if you don't just, have that abstract, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a bit boring. Mm -hmm. but yeah. On, and then once I started game development, because it's so much more interactive and you can see your work in front of you, it's not just some small pop up or something. It's just way more fun and more enjoyable to, and easier to learn as well, actually. Yeah. Much, much easier to learn. And I think, yeah, the interaction is important. So many advanced programming techniques that I would have never learned if it wasn't in the, in the aim of making a game, you know? <laughs> um, so that motivation for that stuff is really important. And then, yeah, you can use that elsewhere, you know? Whether game development True. is ultimately where you end up in or not. Mm -hmm. That's true of art and music and everything else too. For sure, for sure, you can use it for like make you know. So once the kids like are, are able to to uh, see for the first time programming through making games, the next time they hear it, maybe in in senior high school and college, it's 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 like much. It's a. It sounds you know it's something familiar to them. This is changing a little bit, I think, at least in some school systems in the United States, but, uh, I think it can be easy for people who are teaching 
um, programming on a, a lower level or beginning level to lose sight of the fact that it is a creative endeavor. Um, and just like you're not going to learn how to write stories without writing stories, you just like you're not going to learn how to paint pictures without painting pictures. You have to you have to code something to learn how to code things. You know, you can learn exercises in isolation, but that's got, it's limited in its use and it's limited in its ability to motivate learners because, you know, you're trying to build a skill that allows you to make something. Um, and because it's got, you know, programming is computers, I think sometimes it gets, it gets treated like this stiff sciencey right. thing, you know, like you're in a lab and you're going to learn these procedures. Uh, but it's, it's it's not it's its own its own little beast. Yeah, it's not. I like what you said. I think uh, we were talking about it with Sean the other day. Like making a game is actually not like. Um, obviously you need programming, but um, it's a story, and it's like. Uh, in the conversation with Sean, we we said that it's like a movie where you can control a character. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. so I've gotten to appreciate that, like, um. Right now, the games we make are only as good as maybe the script that we we have and the story that we're trying to tell through this character that can be controlled. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that's a great point. I love that. Um, and that's something like we talk about here on the show. Yeah, I can tell you listen to the show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, yeah, like we talk about that all the time that like, um, yeah, the, like what you put into the game um, can impact how it plays and how it feels for the player. Um, and so those kinds of things are important to think about. And I'm glad you're bringing that up. Uh, I'm glad you're taking note of that for development. Um, well, and, and, you know, and imparting that on, on the kids as they're learning programming. That's good. Sure, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it definitely is a creative endeavor. And I think also you asked Stephen about the, uh, the process that we took to create the game. So we didn't really know what a game development team looks like um, as it relates to the pandemic. Um, so we've we've uh, we had uh, ideally made a team where um, we because it was it was kind of like a team for for preparing for the boot camp mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning, like in January. So we had like someone to do marketing for the boot camp. Um, we had me as a teacher cause I like teaching. Um, and then we had Dennis as a game developer. Um, so he, um, actually most credits to go with killer go to, uh, go to him. He's the one who came up with the mechanics and everything in the programming. Um, and then we had also business development. We had business development, uh, uh, two business development individuals in the team. Mm. Um, so that was, that, that's how the team looked like before. Um, um, and then now what's happened is because of the pandemic, we, we, we saw that we needed to change the design of the team. So I now do teaching and course creation. So I try and make, um, I get, you know, my PHP coding skills, um, warmed up to make the, like, almost like our own Udemy platform mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. kids can come and access the, the course, the videos. Um, so the way the team's looking now, and obviously Sham um, is doing game development and also testing. So he's 
um, also working on a few games as well. So right now the team has three people. Um, so it's lead game developer, um, junior game developer, and quality assurance. Um, and then there's myself as a course creator. So that's how the team is looking like right now. Mm. And I would say, like I said before, we we thought that we needed to go like the corporate way before, you know, marketing, business development, and um, and those those kind of traditional roles. But we've seen that having everyone in the team being able to know um, programming and also like uh, game making is what's important. And like uh, we've learned that also, the smaller the team, the easier it is to manage and mm-hmm. and uh, do stuff. Yeah, for mm-hmm. chemistry. Yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. Cool. That's a, a principle um, uh, learning that I think a lot of people get, which is uh, planning is important, but the you'd learn by doing. And, yeah. and so it's 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 exactly. cool that you were able to have a bunch of ideas going in and, and like a, it seemed like a really good plan. And then mm-hmm. once it met reality, you immediately reacted to that in a way and just adapted to it. And I think yes. that's rather than like yeah. trying to take your planning all stumble through it, the planning helps, right? It it it, it mm-hmm. lets you know because if you came with nothing, then it would be you couldn't adapt. You'd have to build from scratch in the middle of the whole thing. So it's exactly. <laughs> so there's a little bit of both, but like the learning by doing is really important, and it's cool to hear that. Yeah, learning by doing is definitely the way to go. I think we've seen. Um, and what we what we love as a team right now is uh, the idea of prototyping so like just seeing what it takes to achieve x and y and z um and then kind of sticking with that plan for a while if it's you know if there's good like a reaction from the market for our games in our boot camps mm-hmm. and then uh if if there's a good reaction we we let it stick um if there's not then we prototype again maybe come up with a different team or something or product so yeah you hear that steven um Prototyping. <laughs> Prototyping, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, so uh there um there may be a few listeners who haven't heard of your work before. Um, where can we find you all on the internet? Um, so you can find us uh, our website is at gamedevskenya.com. Um, that's just gamedevskenya.com. And then on Twitter, we're there as at devskenya. So on our website, um, COVID Killer is available to play. So once going on, guys can see what we're all about, what our vision is, access to the online bootcamp as well, and also more of the games that the team has created. All of that is on the website. And then, of course, for our fans to like our pages, um, hit us up on what they liked about our games and stuff. We're, we're that friendly. We welcome all, all feedback. Yep. Feedback. We yeah. like that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all so much for uh, for joining us here. Uh, we really appreciate it. This was a fun episode to record. Yeah, Great. it's good to have you guys. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much as well, uh, Ellen, Stephen, and uh, Mark. Uh, it's been wonderful. And yeah, it's been just a dream being on the show. Just one more thing. Um, you guys do prefer the Xbox, right? Like, I'm. I'm, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick, Ellen, start the outro. Yeah, Ellen, the outro is about remember the outro, right? <laughs> That's our show. That is our show. 
Check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topics. If you like this episode, give us a review on your favorite podcast app and tell your friends. Independent podcasts like ours rely on your word of mouth to grow. We love hearing from our listeners. For a quick way to give us feedback on the show, head over to nicegames.club slash feedback and fill out a short little form. You can talk to us about anything you think we need to know about, anything that you'd like to give us feedback on. Yeah, you can also get in touch with your nice hosts on Twitter at NiceGamesClub, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and a dog singing the Star Trek theme. Gotta check that out. Or you can email us through contact at NiceGames.Club. Ask us questions, suggest topics, or just say hello. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.